Well, good morning. Um, you know, this life is full of opportunities, but we only get one life, right? Now, we all know our birth date, but we don't all know our expiration date. We don't know when we are going to go to the grave. No, you have one life, and you have one chance, and what you choose determines how you live. That's what we talked about last week. If you were here with us last week, you heard this as something that was critical to who we are in Christ, that we use our one life and we choose to use it for Jesus. You know, uh, you also heard about a need that we made uh, evident to you all um, in our mission that we support in India. Uh, The goal today is to raise $30,000 extra above our tithes and offerings that we have already given over to the Lord and to hand those over to India where three churches are going to be built um, with those funds. Actually, it takes $10,000 to build a church. We're going to build as many churches as we can. Um, that's, That's truly the goal. Now, in front of you, you uh, may have noticed that uh, in your connection cards that there is an envelope. If you're saying, I want to be able to do that later on in service, we're going to have a moment of uh, of decision and a moment of worship as we we give, and you can designate that by putting your your giving in those envelopes, um, or you can do that on the app as well. Um, So just want you to know about that as you prepare yourself for that time in our service later. You know, each church um, that we build in India will become... It'll become a community center in the villages that they're planted in. Now, I know what normally comes to my mind when I think of a village. I think of like this small little group of people. But I, I want you to understand something. India has 1.3 billion people in its population. All right? So villages aren't small places. All right? Villages are, are places where there are lots and lots of people, and they just seem to like stack them on top of each other. In India, there are tons of po- folks per square foot that live in India. So each of these churches that are built become these community centers in these places of great population. Now, India is heavily oppressed by the Hindu and Buddhist religions with worship to false gods everywhere you turn. But the mission work we've supported for many years is doing some pretty unbelievable things, and really with a thin budget of resources. The Paul family um, and uh, the work that they are doing in India is truly changing their communities. From a children's home for orphans to schools that educate and share Jesus to a hospital that helps with medical needs. This one family has become a catalyst to, uh, to overwhelming transformation in Christ. Slowly, TB, who on our screens is left uh, sitting down in the picture of the family, um, TB is slowly making his way from villages to villages, and he is, he is training and teaching people um, how to be pastors, and then he's going into these places with the desire then to plant a local church. The Paul family's faith has, has always kind of flabbergasted me. It's always been something that's so impressive to me. From the moment I first heard about this mission uh, until now, I've always seemed there's just something that you just go, man, I love what they're doing. I want to emulate that same type of attitude in my ministry daily. You know, there was a, a story I heard, one of the first stories I ever heard about TB um, was that he had arrived here into the States. He was staying actually with a family um, here at this church, and um, I was in a leaders meeting with some other leaders, and uh, I heard this story about TP, and I felt like I needed to share it with you. So he had become aware of this land that uh, 
was available in one of the communities that they were ministering in. It actually sat just adjacent to a school. Now, the school had been planted there because, remember the Hindu and Buddhist face, right? They, the, the leaders in that community didn't want a church planted, so he's like, well, we'll put a school here instead, uh, right? And the school's going to teach people education, but we're also going to teach people about Jesus. So the school's built. This land becomes available. It's just adjacent. Now, land's hard to come by, remember? Lots of people, large populations. A lot of land's owned by the government. Um, and so as this land becomes available, he hears about it. He, he TV, is like, I've got to do something. Like, I've got to figure out a way to get this land. Um, so in total TB Paul fashion, he goes out to one of these uh, like local lenders um, that let's just say the rates are ridiculous, all right? And he's like, he leverages everything he has. Like, he's he bets the family farm on this thing, right? He, he hands over every bit of collateral he has, and he, he does that just to get enough money to hold the land. Um, why he says, I'm going to be in the United States for a month, and when I come back, God will have provided what I needed for that land. Like, awesome story of faith. And I'm thinking, how many of us would say that about a land that we could use for ministry, say, I'll hand over everything of my personal possessions so that it could just be held for a season um, so that I could see God provide. So TB gets into the States. Um, he's staying with his family. And I love to tell you that he was as cool as a cucumber, but I think he was as hot as if he had just ate some really hot Indian curry. Um, you know, it was, he, was, he was sweating a little bit and he had a lot of sleepless nights. Actually, I think there were nights that he found himself sleepless, that he just would get down on his knees and be praying, God, would you provide for this? And through, through you all, we were able to do just that. We were able to provide the finances he needed to buy this land so that he could continue to press out ministry in that community. You know, this mission is called the NACEA. It stands for North Andhra Coastal Evangelizing Association. Now you know why we call it the India Mission, all right? Uh, that's a mouthful to say all at once. And uh, we call it the India Mission. TB's the founder. He's a third-generation Christian. His grandparents were actually uh, converted and uh, came to know Christ um, by um, some Baptist uh, missionaries from Canada in the late 1800s. So this Baptist missionary comes there. They, they uh, tell people about Jesus. They become Christians. And then all these leaders had to leave. The mission had to leave. And so TB's parents, their school teachers at the time, uh, by vocation, they just like, do what they can to keep the spark alive in their children. And uh, later in TB's um, uh, elementary years, into his teen years, he felt this call, this challenge in his life to take up the efforts and to proclaim Jesus. Something that totally went against the grain. He's like, I've got to do something. And took the challenge he did. And man, his family is now, every single one of them, doing something for the greater cause of the missionary work to see that Christ is lifted high and more people come to know him. I want to share with you just a little bit from Rajesh. This is TB's son. Take a look at the screens. Greetings from the Pauls and NACA family. With an aim to spread the gospel to the Hindus and Muslims in India, NACA was started with four churches. God has blessed the mission in the last 20 years. We have 42 plus churches as of now, a preacher training school, vocational program for women, a hospital catering to a large population, a school with over 650 children, children's home for orphans, and we feed the widows and the marginalized. All this would not have been possible without the faithfulness you have shown in supporting NACEA. Bethany is one of the founding churches of the mission. You have been very faithful to your call. Every brick that is laid here in India 
carries your burden for spreading the gospel. The efforts for Christ are growing. Our goal is to establish at least four churches a year. God is faithful as long as we are faithful to his call. God has blessed the partnership between Bethany and NEC8. So I encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to continue your support. Come to India and see the good work you are supporting for yourselves. God bless you. Man, I love hearing from, uh, from Rajesh and TB and just hearing their story. Did you guys catch it? 42 churches that they have planted. And guess what? Oh, we want to plant four a year. We just planted one in Vincennes, guys. That was a lot of work. And they're just like, oh, we're just going to do four a year, right? Uh, we're, we're just going to keep pressing out this ministry to see God just, God just go, go to the ends of the earth, to see more and more people come to know Christ. You know, their vision always seems to outsee, uh, exceed their, their resources, but I love that they don't stop dreaming. They never stop dreaming because they know God will provide. You know, God is in the business of providing, right? God owns it all, but has entrusted us with his resources, right? God's entrusted us to use our wealth to make a difference, what we do with our resources could change the world. Matt actually shared with us a few weeks ago that if all Christians across the world gave 10% of their resources back to God, that $165 billion would be leveraged to wipe out global hunger, to give clean water, to eliminate illiteracy, and to fund world evangelism. I mean, guess what? There would be a massive amount of surplus left over. God has exactly what he needs to reach the world. It's you. It's you, and your change could change the world. I want you to open up with me to Mark chapter 12. It's on page 824 in the Bibles in front of you. Mark chapter 12, it's on page 824. And as you do, I wanted to give you just a little background to this story. Mark is sharing with us from the life of Jesus. This story is about a widow, um, a generous widow. So, so Jesus um, is with his disciples, and he sees this woman. Now, we don't know how exactly Jesus knew her, her financial situation. Um, was this Jesus' divinity on display in this moment? Um, was, uh, had Jesus had a, a conversation prior um, to, to coming to this moment in the temple with this woman? Had he talked with her and had he known her financial um, constraints? Um, we're not sure exactly how that has come about, but there's this interaction. And Jesus sees this woman from a distance, and I love the scene. It's like he's like, hey, guys. Come here. He like calls his disciples over. Come on, come on, come over here. And they all get together and he says, Watch this. Like, I just want you to take a moment. Any of you, any of you out here people watchers? Anybody people watcher, like self-proclaimed, I like to go to, I go to the mall, not to shop, just to watch people, right? Or I'm like, I'm at the restaurant and my 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 husband or wife's like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, you're just staring at the next table, watching how they interact with you. Like this is one of these like people moment or people watching moments that Jesus is having. It's like, come on, let's let me let me show you this. Watch this. And the scene unfolds, Mark chapter 12, we're gonna be in verse 41. It says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in a large amount, but a, a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So the main point of the passage is that God loves poor people way more than he loves rich people. 
No, that's not the point, right? That's not what's going on here. Uh, no, no, God definitely loves rich people more than he loves poor people. No, that's not the point either, right? That's not the point. It's not a mount, a mount we make, but for some Christians, we believe that for somehow or another, God wants us to either be super wealthy or to, be, um, to, to live in poverty. That's not the point. That's not what's happening here. Look, the gospel is ultimately a game changer, and your change could change the world. That change takes place, though, when we come to know Jesus, right? Something happens in our hearts and in our lives when we come to know Jesus. But the adversary, man, he would sure like to mix us up, thinking that uh, we have to either be super wealthy or super poor. And so we create these two large extremes. One is what some people refer to as the prosperity gospel, and the other is what some people refer to as the poverty gospel. All right, so the, the prosperity gospel says that if you have millions of dollars and you have endless of resources, that you must be doing it right, and God is blessing you. If you're rich, then, then God is pleased with you. And some of you are like, boy, I wish I had, if that's right, I think I'm doing things right. I must, God must just not have heaped down my blessing yet, right? You're like, I want the, the prosperity gospel to be right. And then the, the poverty gospel says just the opposite, right? It says, oh, well, time out. You're only allowed to have so many square footage per square people, right? Like, you're not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to, 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 to get too nice of a car. If you have too nice of a car, then that must mean you're, you're like a total rebel, and uh, that's not what God wants of you. The poverty gospel says the opposite, that somehow we are supposed to be of, uh, of low, low status. Truth is, neither of these two things are biblical, right? Neither of these two things are biblical. Look, it's not about a, a prosperity gospel or a, a poverty gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a generous gospel. Now, you think about the attitude of the woman. You think about what happens in this scene. You think about the, the two small coins that she put into the treasury. You think about what those represented. They represented everything that she had. Now you think about Jesus. You see, the, the moral of the story and the truth of the woman is the same thing we see in Jesus, right? He had it all in heaven, and he gave it all up so that he could come to this earth to live amongst us, to live a sinless life, and to die a sinner's death. He gave all that he had for us. That's what Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. It says that you were saved by faith in God who treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you and not anything you have done on your own. It's a gift. God's goal wasn't for us to be wealthy or for us to be poor. His goal was for us to be, to be generous. God's looking at us and saying, would you change? And your change can change the world. See, we need to have a change of heart. You know, two weeks ago, my daughter was headed off for her first experience out at Camp Ileana. Camp uh, Ileana is just south of Washington, uh, and uh, I see like camp as like one of these like kind of hidden gyms in our uh, uh, in our region. It's just doing some really cool ministry. Obviously, right now we're in the throes of summer. They have all these summer camps going on for for all kinds of different ages, and they have things that go on throughout the year out at camp and. And so my daughter's like on her first experience, and uh, she's getting herself all ready, and um, she's, she's learning about what camp's going to be like, and she, she goes to camp, and she hears about um, this missionary that camp's supporting that's from Africa. 
And the missionary tells them that one quarter can feed a, uh, can feed a child uh, for a day in Africa. But she comes home and she's telling my wife this story. And she stops for a moment and she says, Mommy, I think I could round up all my quarters and I could give them so that some little kids could have food in, in Africa. Man, you know, as my wife and I share that story with each other, our hearts are like totally melting. And what are we thinking as parents? We're like, we want to foster this type of heart in our child so, so that she'll continue to see others' needs before her own. That she'll say, what can I do? to make a difference? How can my heart and what I do with my life make a difference? You see, the woman's heart speaks directly to this type of change. The woman knew that money was not going to bring her happiness. You know those two coins? They were called uh, leptas, um, and a lepton was the smallest coin in circulation in uh, Palestine in that day. It was one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. Mark actually gives these certain details because he's writing to a a group of people that most likely in the Roman Empire, and uh, the lepton wasn't even uh, in circulation in the Roman Empire because it was such a small and insignificant coin. So, so long story short is that these coins have little, to, to, little value to most, all right? I mean, it had to have some value to her, though, right? Like, maybe it represented her next meal. Maybe it represented clean water. Maybe it represented a place to, to lay her head. But she says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this over to God. She puts her, her money where her heart is. That's what Jesus asked of us. Actually, it's said like this in the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where three thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure say your heart is at? I mean, that's the true type of litmus test to this situation, isn't it? Where would your bank account say? What, what, if you were to pull open your phone and to, to scroll through your, your, uh, your, your, your last transactions on your card, what would it say? If you're old school and you open up the checkbook, what would the registry have to say? These are sometimes hard conversations to have, aren't they, with ourselves? And sometimes we will open it up and we're like, dead gone. I spent a lot of money on McDonald's in the last month. Like, what in the world is going on? Right? And like, oh, dead gone. I spent a lot of money on McDonald's in the last month, right? It's, is entertainment taking priority for you? Does, does a fancy new car take priority? Is it a vacation that's taking priority? Only you can answer that type of question. Do you need a change of, do you need a change of heart? Remember, God is not, though, in the business of taking from you, right? I think sometimes that's what we, we have this idea, like, all God wants is my money. No, he doesn't want your money. You know what he wants to do? He wants to give to you. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. That, remember what Ephesians said? The gift that he has given to us. God is in the business of giving, not taking. But boy, he does want us to learn generosity, to have a change of heart, you know, the scripture also, though, challenges us not only to have a change of heart, but to have a change of mind. It actually, in the book of Romans, calls that the transformation by the renewing of our mind, that we need to have a, a change of mind. Now, I want you to take a look at some images on the screen with me uh, this morning. All right, what do you see? What's this? Go ahead, call it out. What do you see? Old woman? Everybody see an old woman? You're like, no, I see a young woman. 
Does anybody see them both? You see them both? All right, some of you see them both, right? Maybe you've seen this one before, all right? Let's see, uh, let, me, let me check out the next one, all right? Okay, we've got, uh, we got, do we see two faces looking at one another, or do you see a chalice or a cup of some sort, right? You can see both. I think this one's pretty easy. Well, let's look at the next one. All right, ferocious lion, all right? Everybody see the ferocious lion? Did anybody see anything else? Let me give him some help. We'll flip the image over. Let's see it. I got you on that one, right? A little squirrel uh, hidden in the lion's mane, right? Uh, right? It's the idea that our minds are powerful, powerful things, right? Our, our minds uh, sometimes have a certain way of thinking about things, and sometimes we just need to have a, a paradigm shift. We need our minds to be changed. It's been said like this, the way we see things is the source of the way we think. You know, most of us have, have grown up with a skewed understanding of money and possessions. So it's based off of in, uh, misinformation or, or poor examples. And uh, so we have this, um, this desire that then becomes developed in us. You know what we oftentimes have the mindset, like the first lie that we feed ourselves is this. You almost always say this, my money is in the best place when it is in my hands, Right? My money is in the best place when it is in my hands. You know, the second thing in the story that the widow teaches us is this. The woman had long ago decided in her heart that God brought her the happiness. And she knew that these two small copper coins were going to do very little for her. But she knew in the hands of God, she knew in her mind, my two coins in the hands of God can do, whoa, they can do amazing things. Remember the story we looked at a few weeks ago of the feeding of the 5,000? Right, the, the the small boy brings his lunch. Right, and the disciples are like, "We got to feed these people." And like, all we can find is a little boy's lunch. He's got five loaves and two fish. Right, and, and in the boy's hands, it's just a, a small boy's lunch. But in in Jesus's hands, what's that lunch turn into? Right, turns into a meal for thousands of people. I had to wonder, do you think the woman that was there that day with her two small copper coins, do you think she was there the moment that the five thousand were fed? Do you think she saw Jesus take a small boy's lunch and feed thousands? Do you think she thought about that as she set those, those two coins in the treasury? And she said, in my hands, these are worth little. But in God's hands, he can do something pretty amazing. I want to think that she was there that day. I want to think that she has seen the boy's lunch be spread out, and now she's going to see her resources be spread out. You ever wonder, did the woman eat that night? Did the woman have a place to lay her head that night? Did the woman have a, a drink for the day? Was the woman taken care of? In, in Matthew chapter 17, we hear this truth. This says, truly I tell you, this is Jesus, right? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, if faith, the, the size of mustard seed, just so you know mustard seeds are pretty small, right, can move mountains, then I think generosity, giving of two small copper coins, all that you have would provide all that you need. You see, this story isn't about money. When we change our mind and we say it's better in God's hands, we can do that with anything. You desire so desperately to have children, but you just can't seem to get pregnant. Put it in God's hands. You want to overcome that addiction? You want to get rid of that struggle in your life? Put it in God's hands. You want to mend that relationship? 
You want to make it right? Put it in God's hands. You want, to, you want to get through this painful season of life. You're so fed up with the season of life that you're in. What you need to do? Put it in God's hands. You want to go to heaven someday? Put it in God's hands. You see, whatever you have, your pride, your hopes, your dreams, your wealth, your life, it's little in your hands. But in the hands of God, it could change everything. We have to have a change of mind, don't we? And when we have a change of heart and we have a change of mind, guess what else happens? There's a change of action. I shared with you this morning as we got started a little bit about T.B. Paul. I shared this moment for him. They found this land, and he's like, i got to have the land. And what's he do? He puts action to it, goes and puts everything he has on, on loan to a lender in collateral, says God will provide. But the truth is we wouldn't be talking about T.B. if he hadn't had the change of heart and the change of mind that led to the change of action. Nor would we be talking about a woman, a widow from 2,000 years ago, if she had never put action to her change of heart and change of mind by giving those two small copper coins. It's like this. Uh, The treasury of that day was uh, a large room that had these 13 um, big trumpet-like shaped um, funnels that people would have dropped their uh, offerings or their temple taxes into. So that would be like us here at Bethany saying, you know what, we're going to have a couple rooms that we're going to set aside. It's going to be a reverse ATM. Instead of giving you money, it'll just take money from you, all right? And uh, whenever you feel free, just swing on by the church. You can come in. Doors are always unlocked. Just drop your money in there. That's kind of the idea of what's taking place. So this moment of, of like free will offering. And the rich are coming in, and uh, it's kind of like the coin star at the, the local grocery store. You ever heard somebody dump in their change bucket into the coin star? It's like, all the change is going in, right? Or maybe you've, you've been to Vegas, and you've heard a jackpot getting hit, and you hear all the, all the change spewing out of uh, one of the nickel slots, right? Now, here's this woman. She comes up to these trumpets, and she drops her two small coins. Clink, clink. And Jesus says to his disciples, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, everything, all that she had to live on. You see, Jesus was not pleased by some sort of amount. He was pleased by the sacrifice. You know, in the book of James, we are told that uh, This change in action is what God wants from us. It says it like this in James 2. My friends, what good is it to say you have faith when you don't do anything to show that you really do have faith? Can that kind of faith save you? If if you know someone who doesn't have clothes or food, you shouldn't just say, I hope all goes well for you. I hope you'll be warm and have plenty to eat. What good is it to say this unless you do something to help? Faith that doesn't lead us to good deeds, actions, right, is all alone dead. You can now see that we please God by what we do and not only by what we believe. You see, giving is proof of generosity. Action is proof of change. The widow didn't just say she trusted God. She handed over her two small copper coins to him. TB didn't just say, I want to get this land, right? No, he, he leveraged all that he had, put it on collateral God didn't just say, I love you so much. No, he sent his one and only son to die for you. So what about you? What do you say you believe, and what do you do to show that belief? 
You know, I had somebody ask me this last week. They said, Evan, what is your favorite thing about ministry? And I said, you know, my favorite thing is to see life change. And it truly is. I love to help people uh, make decisions. I love to, like, to counsel people. Um, I, one of my favorite things in ministry is to watch somebody give their life to the Lord in the baptistry. Um, but I love, I love watching the transformation of somebody's life, to see what they once were become to what they, they are now, to see them continually becoming more and more like Jesus. You know, serve, give, go has never been about some sort of big, special moment. It's been about recognizing that, it, that, that this is what a changed life in Christ looks like. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, it says just that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. You've changed. And when you come to Jesus, you have a change of heart, you have a change of mind, that changes your action. And your change, your change could change the world.